Hello and welcome, friends, pals, chums, bosom buddies. Welcome to another episode of Pals Polls, Comics Pals Weekly Comic Book Review Podcast. I'm here this week to talk about comics, and I'm here. Oh wait, I should probably say my name. I'm Tyler. It's right there underneath the, my my face, right below me. Mm. I put those things there for a reason. Uh, I'm here with Kale. Hello. What's up, hot dogs? Uh, Marco. Beep boop, beep boop. Oh, he's, uh, we have Marco Bot. Marco Bot is back on the show. Um, but yeah, so we're here to talk about uh, one, two, three, four, uh, five comics. That's five a lot of comics. Well, I have more next week. Uh, we have five comics that we're Ooh. talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this week we are talking about Batman and Robin, number one. Green Lantern, number three. Daredevil, number one. Avengers, Inc., number one. And The Cull, number two. Uh, and also, at the end of the show, once we're done, Marco's going to be talking about his time at the uh, Small Press Expo. Ooh. Yes, I stopped myself from making the joke. You really had to check your notes for that Oh, one. boy, I had to. I had to. So close to making the I joke. Was, I was ready for, for it, and I was going to say, and I won the prize. I bet you do. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right, all right. So let's just get let's just get right into it, guys. Let, let's talk about comics right away. And if you guys have comments or whatever, you uh, let us know. Talk to us on the on the, the live broadcast uh, if you'd like. And if you have thoughts on these books at all, just let us know as well. Uh, but let's get into the first book of the first book of the week with uh, Batman and Robin number 1 this is by the team of Joshua Williamson art and colors by Simone DeMeo and letters by Steve Wands I didn't know this was coming out <laughs> Did this kind of come out of nowhere for you guys It's a very understated release yeah and it feels like it's coming out at a weird time too Yeah I mean, it, it tracks in terms of the whole Gotham War thing. You know, at the last issue of the, the Gotham War, Chip Zdarsky thing, uh, Robin came out to defend Bruce Wayne and this whole thing. And it's just like, now, though, that's when you're going to, like, okay? Yeah, but I guess that's what I I mean. It's like, <laughs> this isn't even, like, this isn't even the middle of this event. We're still at the Brand start. spanking new. We're no. still it's brand spanking new. We're still at the start. We just got out of night terrors. But what's the reason for this? It, it also like I'm, I'm looking at the cover of it. There's no branding for Gotham War. So this is not part of Gotham War, even though it's kind of spinning out of it. Second yeah. issue. Um yeah, it is a little weird. Um that, that was gonna be my question was I didn't it didn't have Gotham War on it, so I assumed that this is either like after or they're just kind of putting it, putting that whole business to the side for the moment to just tell this story. I I don't because they reference I, I, it, but yeah, they reference it, but I, I don't necessarily think it's to the side because everything that happens in the issue happens because of it. Yeah, this almost feels like this should have come out at the end of Gotham War as the big spin off spin off book. Um, or maybe like in a little farther in the middle, because I think this feels like they've settled into Catwoman's new Gotham, and and frankly, I, I was I was interested in in that 
uh, off that first issue. So I'm kind of glad that we're taking a beat to live in the world first. Like it's not, uh, it doesn't feel like we're just going from one thing into the next. It's going to give us a chance to exist. Yeah. So my criticisms about why this book exists aside, I mean, it's also a Batman and Robin book. So I guess it doesn't really need to exist. Like it doesn't need a reason to exist. It, it just will because it's that book. Um, and is it the first time since oof, like new 52 era that we have Bruce and Damien as Batman and Robin in a Batman and Robin book? Um, I, yeah, uh, wasn't there, weren't they together? Uh, wasn't it Gleason? Yeah. And I think that was like, that was like phase, like one of the phases of the new 52. I think we're still under that editorial label yeah, yeah. i think yeah, i remember that was, um, yeah i'm i think it was after damien died but before whatever happened after that <laughs> it's, batman, it's like batman Inc. And, and more morris and stuff but yeah so yeah. this is a uh, joshua williamson kind of continuing his work with robin uh, uh i think robin one of the more recent uh the most recent damien you know robin book um, that was him and, uh, oof, I'm trying to remember who was on the, the art there. Um, but that book was really good. It was like Damien on like a Mortal Kombat island. Yeah, um, that's right. And I really enjoyed that book. So, so once I saw Williamson on this, I was like, all right, I don't really care for Williamson writing Bruce. Like historically, his Batman hasn't really lit me on fire, but I really like his Damien. I like his Robin. Um, so that was enough to sell me. And then, like, Simone DeMeo was not a name I would have expected to do a Batman and Robin book. It is very interesting, art-wise, uh, this book. <clears throat> is that because it's the loudest art you'll ever see in a Batman book? Okay, cool. I thought I was the only one that had, like... I opened this book and I went, my ears hurt for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, Simone DeMeo, uh, she, uh, he worked on that, um, uh, what was that book? Uh, uh, we Only Find Them When They're Dead. Oh, that, yeah, okay. That I know Simone DeMeo worked on that. Um, and I think that worked in a sci-fi setting. Um, bringing Simone DeMeo's art, which really works with lighting, and it, it's almost like the, uh, you know, J.J. Abrams has the whole, what, what's this whole thing there? The uh, lens flare lens that, he, that he loves? yeah. yeah. Um, Simone DeMeo has a bit of like what that would be for comics on a static mm. page where there's this glow effect to a lot of the lighting in it. Um, almost like a, a real digital backlighting glow um, that kind of is throughout the book. So when you have that in a Batman and Robin book that mostly consists at night, um, you're dealing with a lot of like neons. It's very almost like a neo-noir kind of feel to it, which I think would have worked really well during Tinian's run on Batman, where, you know, Gotham was kind of like that, that future state era. Yeah. Um, which is very cyberpunky. Um I didn't hate it. I like his art. I am a fan of his art. I'm still unsure if it works for this though. I don't think I am. I don't think I am a fan. Um it's good, you know, it's certainly worthy the craft is there my, yeah yeah it's just not to my taste and especially i think for batman and robin yeah yeah i'm I'm sort of on the same end as you tyler where i i like the art and it 
I'm still trying to grapple whether or not I dig it for what it is. Cause I think there are moments that work really well. Like you mentioned the dark and you get these, um, quick action sequences, but then there's these moments in the daytime, like there's the, the whole thing where they have breakfast and it's slice of life, which I like from a narrative. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yep. But the, the, the art itself is like, it, it, feels too pleasant or, or too like chipper for me for some the, reason the art feels like when you have a hangover and somebody opens up the blinds yes mm. yeah yep yeah when they when they're walking up to the uh the brownstone i was just like this is this is still just so loud <laughs> like yeah. this is a quiet moment where they're walking up to the house and walking into the house why are my senses being assaulted <laughs> And and DeMeo chooses this almost every panel angle is some weird angle. It's never directly head on. It's always above or below and or from the side or from an a, a, a weird corner shot. It it's like a Hitchcock didn't stop um with the canted angles and everything was that. Uh and it's it's weird. It almost gives things like a fishbowly effect. But I, I do like his character work. I think the character work is is solid. I like the way the designs look and everything. But it is, it's a lot. You know, <laughs> push back on that too. Yeah, I think a, I think the uh, especially for Damien, every like he looks like every other Robin except for the costume. Like it feels. Like, I don't feel like I see Damien in any of this character. Isn't that Robin, though? Don't they all look the same until they put the costume on, really? I mean, but Damien doesn't. Okay, okay. You know? And and I think... Uh, uh, hmm, I'm going to be careful how I say this. I think a, a, a good Batman and Robin artist differentiates them. Mm, is able to like really distinguish yeah with their features but like this could be tim this could be early dick grayson uh uh his eyebrows are furrowed it could be jason <laughs> you know what i mean like he's got a jacket and a red uh a red hoodie and his hair is parted in the middle i just described any robin well it's not duke that's for sure well, well. <laughs> he's he's not wrong. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, coming out of that series, what is what is Damien's demeanor? Because now I feel like I don't recognize him. I, I've always in, in a lot of the books that I've seen, he's a lot more militant. He's a bit more like pissy, um, and this is just like a, a bright and excited, obedient Damien. He's he's kind of come to himself, uh, like come into himself a lot more. Um, he's a lot more open. And there is, like, 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 there's a lot of character work in it. Like the the whole him writing a comic book, like that's a thing. Like he's a he's a comic book artist. He's big into manga. Like, right. That's that's like a quirk of his, um, which I really enjoy. And I like how he is the. I don't think I appreciate that. <laughs> well, you don't you don't like that? I like that he likes manga. Well, I think it's a little bit more than a quirk. Thank you very much. <laughs> 
Well, sorry if I was referencing uh, uh, famous manga uh, My Hero Academia. No, oh, good quirks. Cover, good stuff. Good cover. Quirk. All right, nice. did I did I well did I save myself? Yeah, One piece is real. Not for me. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I I was kind of on on like I was like, ah, oh, there's stuff I really like about this, and there's stuff that I don't feel too strong on. Um, Bruce, I think for Williamson, I don't think his Bruce voice is fully there. I don't think it ever really has been. Um, he just feels like a guy here. Yeah. Like it's it, it's not he's so in the middle where he's not in one direction or the other. It's not Adam West, Batman, you know, old chum. Although, kind of bits in here where it feel, feels a little bit like that. Um, like the beginning where they fight, they're fighting White Rabbit, and he makes, you know, he rhymes in the middle of it. Like, that's... But then it's also not super intense, I know how to kill the entire Justice League Batman, you know? Um, it's... Narratively, I think it's in the middle ground, but I just don't really see the characterization there. I think we still need a little bit more time with this sure, sure. single dad, uh, Wayne, because it that that was the thing that that threw me off is just like how caring he can be, and I think it makes sense and it's contextual as well when with the fact that Alfred's you know dead, and so he has to kind of feel like he he needs to actually now ground himself and step into the father role, and you know logically that makes sense. I think for for me, what's been a bit distant is just I have to realize that he's moving on and I have to kind of come along with him. That's where the, the characterization for me is kind of fallen. But um, yeah, I think it's just a matter. I think it's done well, but none of it immediately had me grab on and being like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this version of Bruce. It, it's still giving me like flavors of him, which I appreciate, but um, I think I need a little bit more. Uh, C.W. Uh, Gordon, I think we're, we're going to say the same thing, Kel? No. Okay. C.W. Uh, Gordon's uh, questioning, isn't this meant to be losing his mind, Zurinar's coming Batman? Uh, editorial, you know, it's, it's sure it is that as well, um, because this kind of sits in the middle of Gotham War. Mm. So he should be a little more unhinged in his characterization. But I just think they want this book to be, to be a different flavor. You know, he's yeah. got he's got two hands here. Oh, does, did, you, did you like? Uh, oh, yeah, like a fleshy hand. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about what happens real quick. Like, it's not a ton. Yeah, but, like it. Yeah. Uh, Bruce and Damien move into this brownstone, and Bruce wants Damien to go to high school. I like that premise. It's. <laughs> Read a goddamn comic book. I did. Because this has happened so many fucking times. At just like how many times? I mean, whatever the amount of time. I, I think it's I think whether it's a, a trope or not, once it's executed well, like it, it'll flourish into its own thing. I, it is I, executed well every other time. Why do we have to do it again? Why not? It's a good thing to come back to. I don't mind it. I mean, I'm in America, and I think homeschooling our children is the future. <laughs> we, Damien's a libertarian wet dream. A hundred percent, yeah. In more ways than one. <laughs> um, that was a libertarian age of consent joke. Um, all right. Uh, Batman. 
<laughs> Batman and Robin, is this a poll for you guys? A no. tentative poll. I'm I'm not confident in it, but um I like what I saw. I'm gonna give it another issue. I, I like enough of what I saw. Yeah, for me, Williamson doesn't do enough here. Uh this doesn't f- this doesn't wholly feel like the Damien I left in Robin. Mm. And this Bruce also doesn't feel like the one in Batman or or uh or even Detective, to be honest. Um and everything else is so caught in the middle. This is now another side of Batman that I'm having to deal with. Um, so I uh, pass. And the art is loud. You saying the art is loud is makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah. Like I know it. I get it. I get it. Um for me it's a. I think it's a pull for me. I think it's a tentative pull as well. I think at the end showing a supervillain rogues gallery that's all animal based villains, like that's I'm a sucker for, for shit like that. Same. You know? That's pretty cool. Right? Man Bat, Killer Croc, Orca, and the uh uh oh, what are they called? The gang with all the animal heads and there's something, something going on there. Uh, they're like the. I don't know why I keep thinking of the Bad Girls Club. I know that's not a thing. I know that's the a VH1 terrible rant. trios. The terrible trio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like a Batman Brave and the Bold type villain. You know, <laughs> they like were it. they were in one of the first couple episodes of the animated series. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like so the, one I, of the very first ones. So I'm, I'm I'm cool seeing them. So yeah, this is a sensitive pull for me. I'm gonna keep it going. Um, but you know, issue two's got to do something different. Yeah, Comic Boom says Batman and Robin 1 is easier to accept if one removes Gotham War from one's mind, which is true and probably fine, but they reference it. Right, yeah. Several times. They make allusions to it, yeah. And it's not that it's impossible if you just (laughs) skip over the dialogue. And they also reference it in a way that's, like, dismissive of it. It's like, oh, Catwoman's, you know, controlling all the henchmen. Well, except for these that we need to kill, you know, or these ones that right. we need to fight. Sorry, uh, they don't kill. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see what issue two. Um, but if you like talking about, you know, comic books and you like what we do and you want to support us going forward, uh, help us out on Patreon. So that's patreon.com slash the comics pals. Or you can get a couple cool things from it. You can get a uh, little, little cool superhero or supervillain name uh, at certain tiers that we we uh read every week on the main show. Uh, you can get little, uh, what do we call them, uh, newsletters from each of us. Every week we alternate between the four of us. Um, and Marco, yours is a, a, an hour and a half long video. <laughs> <laughs> it is an hour and a half long video, yep. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I, I went to check the YouTube and I saw uploading. I'm like, what is, oh, that's a big one, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was my turn this week and I, I got a shit ton of books. I'm actually gonna post it later tonight, like tagging everybody because I had to do just research for it. Um, but I spent money. Cool. Lucky. I had money. Um, and we also have our our palin around, which will be up tomorrow. <laughs> Forgot it was Thursday. Uh, but yeah, that'll be up tomorrow. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's cool. And we'd really appreciate it if you can if you can let us know. That kind of stuff goes towards. Uh, microphones and stuff like that. Marco got to use some of them. Um, right. We've used them for a couple of things for experimental stuff. <laughs> um, and yeah, New York Comic Con's coming up, so that stuff is really helpful. 
and uh, alongside that, you know, the, the interviews coming out of that, I managed to get three, so that'll also be coming out. Um, I've just uploaded them. Uh, had to pull some things together, but that'll be coming out and dropping tomorrow. So all three will be releasing just like throughout the day. Cool. Cool. Have a, have a SPX-themed Friday, and we'll talk about it a little bit more later on. Uh, but right now, let's talk about another DC Comics book with Green Lantern number three. Uh, this is written by Jeremy Adams, art by Zermonico, colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr., and letters by Dave Sharp. Huh. Uh, oh, there's also a backup, I should, I should say. Um, I got to get the, uh, the backup oh, yeah. information on that. But The back matter? I got you. I got you, I got you. you got it, yeah. At League of Comic Geeks, you're, you're, you're it's, uh, slacking. So this is Rise of the Revenant Queen Part 3. Uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, artist Montos, colorist Adriana Lucas, letter Dave Sharp. Okay, I, I found it eventually. I just had to keep scrolling. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so Green Lantern 3. Uh, apparently there's buzz about this book. Um, I don't know how since Night Terrors ruined it, but <laughs> uh, maybe there was buzz two months ago. Uh, which DC, man, you really put the took the wind out of the sails of a lot of these like dawn of DC books that people were talking about. Just saying, mm-hmm. Night Terrors, not the best idea. Um, but at least people in Discord seem excited for this book, so we wanted to keep reading this book. And it looks like Hound has read it twice already. Read the issue twice. Yeah. But okay. came out. Yeah, Hound, I think you're slacking. That uh, the book came out two days ago. <laughs> yeah, for really, it's only one a day. What are you doing? Um, so this continues the Hal Jordan kind of grounded on Earth, reclaiming his Green Lantern uh, powers and kind of really learning things. And it almost feels like a, a, a soft re- reboot to some of like the Bronze Age Ring stuff. There's a bit with the some animals that I thought was interesting. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. I, okay, go ahead. I feel uh, like Kale's no, got Let me I, go. Yeah, yeah, Kale, yeah, you got thoughts. Go. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I want to hear your stuff, but I want to get my negative stuff out first. Okay. Okay. Or semi negative stuff. Um, The thing I don't like about this book is this split timeline. It's really bugging me because it doesn't feel right now, and especially after this delay, I don't understand why we have it. Like, I don't. Yeah, I agree. I I don't feel like either start us with, you know, he's got the ring, he's doing the stuff. Great. Uh, And now Sinestro's here. Woohoo. Or start us back then, which is clearly more interesting because you're putting that in the book. Start us back then. Like I like if you'd started issue one with Hal, you know, falling from the stratosphere or whatever, that's that's tremendous. That's a great way to start a Green Lantern book. Uh but this split timeline business and him trying to figure out how to use the ring that, that I forgot where it came from and like it doesn't there's no narrative reason for it so far yeah, yeah. but we're three issues in like th- that should be evident if there is one well uh, yeah I'm trying to give it the benefit of the arc you know but sure. like 
you know, to to weave those stories together. But why? Like, I I feel like there should be some connection now. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't want to be reading a learning to use his powers story three issues in a row. You know, like the stuff we, that actually happens in the present day is interesting. Sinestro's back. Like, that's big, big stuff. Um, and it's also a more grounded Sinestro. So it's like, okay, but. And that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that I that I enjoyed. But I, I agree with you. It's like, all right, you're trying to have your cake and eat it too a bit. A bit. Oh, yeah. Why not have Hal be grounded along with Sinestro? What if they are grounded together and they have to, you know, and they clash or, mm. you know, I don't understand. I don't understand why this timeline is split. I, I, was I don't initially, under, Go ahead, Marco. Go ahead. Um, I was initially more excited for that intro bit because I kind of liked the the setup, but I think you you guys sort of talked me. Um, yeah, I, I think your your points are salient. Like it, it's at the end of the day, it's also five pages worth of real estate, right? To have continued the story, and I think that's a valid point. Um. I'm I'm interested in the story, uh, especially this dynamic with a grounded Sinestro. That that as an, an uh, as an imposing force makes sense as a as a cool way to build tension. Um, but I think to your point, Kale, like one would imagine he would show up. Uh, Hal would just show up and kick ass because he has the the ring, and Sinestro presumably doesn't. Um, but I, yeah, I, I like this initial, I'm, I'm curious about his, his mission. Like what is Sinestro's goal? Like that, that has me interested and it is keeping me going. And then this dynamic with, um, uh, uh, I'm forgetting her name. Errol. Yeah. Is, it's just a, it's, it's good tension. He's still being kind of an asshole and like a, like cocky about it, which I don't much care for, but I think. Well, that's like, the character. Yeah, you don't like Al Jordan, then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, but I think I think the interactions are are fun at the very least, even if there are moments that don't necessarily shine for me. So Comic Boom says that uh, he likes the setup and mystery, which which valid valid. But it, for for me, it's I don't feel like there's a mystery as much as there's not stuff told to us. Does that make sense? Like, do you is there a distinction there? I think a mystery has a a a it's tr it's stringing you along for something. Whereas yeah. this, I just feel like there's just a lot of missing information. That's um, fair. I think there is a distinction, and I think you're right that we're not being presented with the whole picture quite yet. But I think the at least the Sinestro aspect of it, like he has something going on, and until things get revealed, well, I guess it's not necessarily happening in the background. Um, I I, th I think it's still being executed in a way that uh, is keeping me drawn to what is going to happen next and, whether that be a mystery or not yeah and for me personally like i'm a big green lantern fan i have every jeff john's green lantern omnibus you know i'm up i'm up i got the omnibuses of green lantern <laughs> and i just don't think i like hal jordan on earth i think that's just a preference like i don't I prefer him in space. I mean, yeah, I know everything in since Jeff Johns' run has been that, but like, I don't know. I like my my space cop kind of guy. 
he's just kind of a dick on her. <laughs> we all support the thin green line. Duh. Um, <laughs> the, it actually is a thin green line. I think it's for like garbage men. You know what? We do support that. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Comics Palace is 100% a garbage man. My brother's a garbage podcast. Man. Is he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trash man. We support. Um, I, 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 I think it would just be more interesting for me if Hal just didn't have the ring. Like, if you're going to ground him, ground him. Yeah. He can't get a ring. He can't do anything. Like, I feel like manifesting a ring out of a Manhunter, which isn't, like, that happened at the end of the first issue, right? Right. Like, that's an arc. Like, I understand Hal is a creature of willpower. I get that. But, like, that's, you know, that's a story. Even figuring out that you can do something like that, um, like, that is a, a sci-fi story. And then you put his arch nemesis on the same ground. Like, I just... Not, not only that, so again, this is another book that gives me a supervillain team full of weirdos uh, that I'm into. Because T, uh, T, Tigor, that was in yeah. the Invasion story, is in this. Who is also in the Omega Men and, and King Shark. I was like, okay. Sinestro's got the B team or the D team. Is that Topo? Aquaman's octopus too? The octopus, I right? I couldn't tell I who the octopus was, but uh, I don't know who the green man is, but whatever. It's um, weird that they're that they're there though. Like it's there. Yeah. Which it's, is what which is what gives a flair of mystery to Sinestro's actions because I presume these guys some of these guys to be quote-unquote good guys or, or i don't know i can't speak usually to, rebellious to in some kind of way yeah sometimes yeah. morally gray like king shark too you know sure so that's interesting but i want to see how that plays out and then and in the end the the fact that they they meet at the cafe i'm like oh all right cool shit's gonna go down but i think i agree to, to your point kale that um if if they're gonna set this up they should both be grounded because i i personally like the fact that he's not in space at the moment. I, I like that as a ultimate goal to get to so that you can continue to whatever advance the story. But where he's at now, I think I'm I'm having I'm having fun with that different environment until I know we're gonna ultimately get someplace else. I will say, personal preference. I think a Sinestro, I think a Sinestro book is more like interesting to me. I really like Sinestro as a character. He's one of my favorites. So this Sinestro who has to deal with hired guns and literal guns is like, okay, interesting. I, I'm in for issue four, at least it's not, my pants are still on. They're not blown off. Um, but like the Zermanico art is really clean. The, some of the, the vistas that Zermanico does in this are insane. Like that opening splash page or the, or not, or the opening single page hell falling from the stratosphere gorgeous the the african savannah thing gorgeous um Zermanico is like next level and the uh, ramiel flahardo junior colors are you know pairing with that next level art and i really enjoy it but storyline wise i'm left confused more than i am more than not honestly sure and yeah. not even confused from like a like what's on the paper 
it's confused on the on the why of it all. Almost like the craft of it. I'm more confused on the craft than I am on the actual text. I'm uh, I'm I'm in. I'm 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 gonna pull number four. I w- I think I remember being f- a fan of issue one, and this issue did good work enough to keep me strung along and not in any way that's deterred me. And here, yeah, again, that art is holding, doing a lot of a lot of heavy lifting. So I'm I'm glad to stick around. And honestly, the the backstory, I had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, the Philly, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson backstory that is leading into the John Stewart uh, Green Lantern book that comes out this month. Pun- uh, not Punisher, Green Lantern War Journal number one. <laughs> I'm a fan of the character, so that like that's that's really cool. That's fun. Yeah. Once I saw that, like, oh, this is where the ongoing is going to be, I'm like, okay, I might be more excited for that Green Lantern, to be honest. Kale, who's your favorite Green Lantern, and why is it Guy Gardner? It's very much not Guy Gardner. <laughs> uh, it's Hal. Interesting, okay. Uh, because of the stuff John's did. Yeah. Didn't, didn't, like, issue two of Green Lantern end with Hal having to fight off demons in the sky and their plane? Did is are, yeah. are the Night Terror issues actually part of the narrative of the Green Lantern stuff? Am I missing stuff from ignoring Night, Night Terrors? Like, if that's the case, then that's an issue. I, I don't know if Green Lantern had Night it, Terrors it issues. It did, yeah. They had two issues. It did, yeah. okay. I, yeah, but I think just like everything else, nothing happened. And even still, number three here skips over it entirely. Which isn't a bad thing. I think. I think in, in considering that it was interrupted by that in the first place, and then has to go kind of go back into its flow. Yeah, whatever. Throw it to the side. That's the. I think it's fine. I just. But why do it? You know why? Why? Why not make this number one? Hmm. It, and it. I think it weakens the impact of night terrors. But I don't necessarily care for that as much. Um, what impact? Night Terror has left no impact on me besides a negative one. <laughs> I think I think overall that's my big complaint about this this story is the way it's been released. Um and it's it's stuff that's out of Adam's control. Um uh but you know, it's still like it's still a factor affecting the books. Sure. Imagine reading that trade, though. It's like, oh, here's a five-issue Green Lantern Volume 1. Issue 2 ends on a cliffhanger that does not get addressed in Issue 3. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, that's not good. Like, you're just going to get an editor's box? That's about it, which is horrible. <laughs> Go get Boom. the Night Terror uh, expansion pack. No. Comic Boom says it had two issues, a waste of time, but I like that Insomnia was terrified of Hal. Okay. Obviously. Like, why wouldn't you table Green Lantern for the fear event. Like Oh, that's funny. Yeah, Will Power. Yeah. Dude, All right. Yeah. Let's uh, uh I'll stick around for four, but this issue is a pass. Sorry, my cat is chirping at something right now. I don't know what he sees. Um yeah, it's a one for two. It's a pass, but I'm still gonna read issue four. Same. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about my favorite superhero of all time with Man. Daredevil number one. And this one's by the new team of Solomon Ahmed with art by Aaron Cooter, 
uh, Jesus Ebertov and letters by Clayton Cowles. Um, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that you buried this in the uh, in the show like this. I I've, I would have feared we we'd end with Daredevil. Uh, we're gonna end with the call. We're gonna end with the call. I, I wanted to make sure I had my energy by the time I got to Daredevil. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to end on something I want to talk about because you know, yeah. not that I don't want to talk about the call. I do, but my OCD works in mysterious ways. Um, Daredevil. Daredevil is, I think, since I've read comics, the most consistent title out of Big Two. Like, just in terms of, like, if there's a creative team doing work on Daredevil, it's probably their best work. Like, since, like, Marvel Knights, like, you got Bendis Maleev, then it goes into Brubaker, um... Even like the Charles Soul stuff, the Mark Wade stuff, Chris Somney, uh, Chip Starsky, like it's consistently phenomenal for the past 20, uh, 15 years. Yeah. 20 maybe. Um, and it's wild that that streak is about to break. What? Uh, well, okay. It, there also Shadowlands was in the middle there. So. Uh, the Andy Diggle stuff does exist, so I can't I can't be totally perfect. Ooh, but poor Andy Diggle. Um, ah, boy, I I really don't know how I feel this one. So it's tough. It's yeah. Tough. This is this is what? tough. So the book of the week. This is your. I, mm, I you know what? This was also my book of the week. It's mine too. <laughs> it's mine too. But Daredevil was at such a higher echelon for like what is good for me. That like you put you put this book on any other character, I'm like, that's a great book. On Daredevil, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> you know? For me, this was the this was the most engaging book this week. Same. Same, yeah. I was I had I, I was the most I wanted to turn each page. Mm. Yeah. It had me um it had me thinking about stuff that had come before. It had me dissecting the art. It had me um, really thinking about, you know, uh, Marvel history. Um, uh, yeah, for me, this like even even if I didn't necessarily like the direction, this was a strong book this week. Great. Mm. For me, the the thing I'm the the I'm giving this a little bit of extra rope because. Chip Zdarsky left Daredevil in a very weird place <laughs> for the next writer. Um, my, he mind-wiped Daredevil and he made him a priest. Like, that's how he left Love the it. character. Love it. Um, which is great yeah. because it's a great narrative end to Chip Zdarsky's run. But yeah. you got next month there's got to be a Daredevil number one and somebody's got to figure that out. So I think there's a bit of, all right, how do I reset the pieces to get so I can write a Daredevil story in this? Um, yeah, and I and I, yeah. and I think I saw it too much. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, because it's a Daredevil number one. Sure. Yeah. yeah. If your if your Daredevil number one doesn't have Matt Murdock in a black suit with a a bandana wrapped around his face, like using candlesticks, like he's playing Cluedo. That's for you, Cal. You, oh, thank you. Yeah, you've funny. done a you've done a bad Daredevil number one. <laughs> like, I don't know. I from. Let's let's just get into it. Yeah. Um. For me, like I really like the pre stuff. Um. I thought the the angle with the kids was really cool. You know, it all it hit 
all the right notes for uh you know uh, an amnesia story um and you know he's got these weird gifts that he doesn't quite know about um but they you know they get him through and he he has a a a small cast of cool you know uh, lovable characters that he interacts with like a, um, a new cast then, of characters too besides yeah, yeah, yeah a yeah. new one yeah and then you know it's got the right amount of uh god and devil talk with the devil stuff being you know the the foreshadowing and the stuff that's literal uh yeah i it worked for me until he just became daredevil again mm. did it feel like it, it, it invalidated something not that it invalidated it just didn't let me sit with it hmm. it never like i never had a chance to go oh man how's he gonna get out of this one sure he just he was in it <laughs> like <laughs> back back to the grind for me i i think the 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 premise that i'm reading you know, outside of the whole having to get the the chess pieces in order, I think Salah Ahmed really wants to do that. Uh, the story of this religious, devout Catholic coming to terms with wearing the devil's clothing, and how do you consolidate the two? And I think he's playing on the like the first you know first scene we get is you know Matt Murdock letting you know a Muslim taxi driver you know pull over so he can pray real quick. Yeah, um, that's great. It is. It is. Matt Murdock and his religion, I think, is that that's what the story is here. I feel like the setup of it all kind of took me out of it. Um, and honestly, I think Electra feels a little out of place in this story as well. Um, I think she's the temptation, you know, outside of everything in this. Sure. And I and I think yeah. um, we'll see how that works in it. I think you kind of have to have you can't just after what Chip Starsky did with Elektra and the and the actual character evolution he gave that character, um, you can't just, dis, you know, discard her uh, in a Daredevil book. She's the other Daredevil at this point. Yeah, and I think that's... But I think that's my problem. Like, that's what I'm saying is just like, you know, all, everything you said is great. I want to read that book. But Saladin Ahmed has to... <laughs> has to work to get to you know daredevil you so want you know the reveal at the end of him actually putting the red suit back on was just like all right that should have been issue five i no, that should be way way further further okay um even even him putting on you know the bandana was too much i just like Give me a give me a book where Murdoch wrestles with his faith. Great, he's an amnesiac. You, listen, you got to get him out of that, and and frankly, you got to do it right. Um, this wasn't that. He just now now he's walking around in this in this soft reboot limbo. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. eh, maybe he's got his memory, maybe he remembers some stuff, eh, maybe he doesn't. I do, well, by the end of it, I got, I, what I got was, like, he remembers who he is as Daredevil and what, what he can do. 
Um, I don't know if he remembers his friends and all that stuff, but this dude forgets who Foggy Nelson is, you know, every other run, you know, so, or Foggy's dead. So that's, that's normal for me. Um, the idea that he's going to be facing literal demons coming up and there's like a weird exorcism bit to it. I now. was into that. I, yeah. I kind of like that. It was, it was something that I, that makes sense and I'm surprised I haven't seen it before. Isn't um, that what Shadowland was? No, I mean, uh, that was more like the hand stuff. And if this turns out to be more hand nonsense, then, you know, I'm wrong. Uh, but that was like the hand, and he got possessed by, you know, the... the. Oh, it's a Seven Deadly Sins? Yeah, that's he was Sloth. Oh, that was Sloth then. Yeah, okay. yeah. so he's the, that's that's the premise for it. Like, I, I love that idea. Interesting. Hmm. I don't know. What? Come on, Kale. You haven't sinned a little bit? Has there ever been a, a Daredevil story that's narratively what? based on the Stations of the Cross? I doubt it. Man, we need more. <laughs> we need it's, all, more it's all crime, right? Like, I, I guess. We just need more Catholic guilt writers in comics, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Marco, please. Uh, no, I I had a lot of fun with this book. I'm, I don't have the same, I'm going to call it baggage as you guys might with some oh, of this, it, so... It is for me, yeah. <laughs> so coming, coming... Christian Catholic, you know, Christian Catholic baggage. Well, I meant, I meant like, even even for some of the history and, like, the context there. So for me, starting fresh, like, I like that this is a... That Electra is a side character that uh, gets possessed and is important to him in his life. And so, you know, that that that, that seems to make sense. Uh, I'm, I like the, the struggle where he's at. I appreciate how quickly he got back into the suit because for me it took it went from this place of i don't know where we were previously i can only assume that he lost his memory became more devoted to his faith and now we're trying to separate from that so let's say we're starting fresh and me as a, a fresh would be reader it would make sense to be cleansed of that part of his history and just start new like we're back into it as Daredevil, and and I I, I took that and appreciated and ran with it. Um, and how did you guys feel about the art? Okay, because <laughs> I Cause loved I, it. I love Aaron Cooter, dude. Um, ever since his Greg Pox, uh, he worked with Greg Pock on on Action Comics. Um, he did a couple. He did some uh, work with Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, this one page here with, with Electra Daredevil, you know, jumping in the air and like the black of her costume melds in with the, the night sky was like, Oh, this is like, this is Miller. This is his take yeah. on Miller. And I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I, uh, especially at the beginning, just sorry to interrupt, but just while you're comparing, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, um, I also felt like his, uh, his faces and his figures, especially in the beginning, they were very John Romita Jr. Yeah. Yeah. In a palatable way. Cooter yeah, is right. one of the more expressive artists in terms of character expressions um, out yeah. there. Um, yeah, he knows how to do a face pretty well. Yeah, agreed. Real good real good lines, real good inks. Um, yeah, man, he, he knows how to make the book feel... Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's balanced. It, the The forms are all just well done. The nothing. The colors don't 
uh, necessarily stick out or draw too much away from the the individual lines. This was solid stuff. The thing of it, though, is that, like, I don't see... Even after reading this issue, and I, I say all the praise there, um, Kudra doesn't feel like a Daredevil artist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's not like, a bad thing for this issue, but it was different. I felt like, unlike Somni, um, and whoever colored Somni back then, Belair, probably. Uh, it might have been Matt Wilson. Okay, that also makes sense. Um, Somni has a way of drawing Daredevil where it's like, oh, yeah, this he's been drawing Daredevil his entire life. This is Daredevil. Um, but um, I forgot what I was saying. Say what you said again. <laughs> what, how he doesn't really feel like a Daredevil artist? And that's not really yes. a, a knock on him. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, but Because one thing was like, the horns felt too big. He was pretty horny. You're right, yeah. Yeah. Well, on both him and uh, Electra. Um, but the uh, the colors here, especially... I felt like Cooter's lines were were very clear, but I felt like the colors were also very bright. Mm. A lot of contrast in colors. Yeah. This felt this felt like a a daytime Daredevil book, which feels weird. But not loud daytime like we talked about in Batman and Robin. It's like it's it it worked in this. I almost it, it almost feels like seventies Daredevil in that way of like you know dudes just come around superheroes only exist in the daytime uh, because they were just invented and they hadn't figured that transition into night yet and you know um, things are still happening yeah. pre Miller yeah. when it comes to like when it comes to Daredevil but I guess superhero comics in general it's it's pre post Miller yeah in terms of you know that whole night day dichotomy are, are you guys familiar with uh ian bertram i am yeah yeah there is a bit of an ian bertramness to it like a, yeah. a bit of a, a, a chris burnham kind of yeah. a little exaggerated yeah. and and that's why like the longhorns don't bother me here because I, mean, I i always felt like cooter is just a little it's a little a little much a little yeah it's a little more exaggerated a little more yeah. cartoony right um yeah. And it, and I, I think with with I guess if that's sloth, I mean that makes sense. He did say he was the most laziest out of all of them, but the demon in this um, is super exaggerated. He's got you know there there was that whole panel of him crawling out of the the door frame that felt like um. You guys ever watch It Follows? I've seen it a long time. I uh, want to watch it again. Actually. Oh, fantastic movie! But it kind of gave yeah. me vibes of that, where like everything just a little uncanny valley in a way because uh, the the. I guess the anatomy of things is a little weird. I, I really loved the way uh, the demon rested on Electra's shoulders. Yeah. Really love that. I thought that was crazy creative. Agreed. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. This is, this is the pick of the week for me. Same. So, yep. Agreed. I'm, I'm always happy to see a new Daredevil run. It's always exciting for me. Um, 
and this seems to be a fresh enough take that it's it's kind of positioning itself away from the Chip Starsky stuff, which I loved. But um, this just gives me a chance to love another Daredevil run. So, well, and especially art wise, it was always going to be impossible to follow Chichetto. Dude, yeah, yeah. Where what you is know. he up to next? That's what I'm curious about. Yeah, put that guy on Avengers book, please. All right, let's talk about uh, the listener pick, which was Avengers Inc. Number one. Uh, this is by Al Ewing, friend of the show. Uh, art by Leonard Kirk, colors by Alex Sinclair, and letters by Corey Pettit. Uh, I forgot this book was coming out. I remember when this got announced. Uh, it was kind of like a weird. Uh, like a pre-San Diego Comic-Con announcement, I think. But um, this kind of spins out of... Did, did Al Ewing write that Wasp run? Yep. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of spinning out of that. And the... And the, the Hank Pym uh, stuff, yeah. And, and, yeah. This was... I liked it. It was weird. But I enjoyed it. I, I, I It turns out I really like Janet Van Dyne as a character. Um... And I want more of her. My issue with this, though, was the art. <laughs> um, I, it's kind of a, like, I like the premise. I really like Al Ewing's writing. Uh, and, I, and I like the way he writes Janet. And I like the, how, he, how he brings in weird, weird references to classic Marvel stuff uh, that he did in those, you know, Ant-Man and Wasp minis. Um, he's bringing, you know, Victor, is it, uh, say shade, Victor, Victor shade. I almost said Victor Sage, Sage. um, Victor shade back and remaking him in a, in a very, very strange way. Um, but that being said, I thought the art was lacking for me. Um, when you have a book with Janet Van Dyne and you can see what, what, uh, uh, the art, uh, who, who's the cover artist? It's, uh, it's Daniel Cunha, big fan of him. Uh, worked on uh, Uncanny Avengers with Jay, uh, with uh, Rick Remender. Um, Not me. Now I know why I didn't like this book. Uh, well, that's just the cover. That's just the cover. Uh, yeah, yeah, the cover is the place setting for the whole book. <laughs> but when you when you when you're doing a Janet Mandine book, I think you gotta know fashion. You know that's that's integral to the character and the clothing in this book was just not working for me in that regard. Um, yeah, at, at one point. There's the, uh, she, Janet is supposed to get like super fashion-y spy clothes. And, and I have the, goes, I have the following page up where she's wearing Amish clothes. Like, yeah, Jarvis goes, oh, I don't know if those will be in fashion anymore. And Janet, Janet says, fashion never goes out of style. And, and it's, style. it's, uh, a fifties schoolgirl outfit. It looks like, like a Salem witch trials outfit. I gotta say. I thought it was a, a clown thing. You just add a little like hat and uh, a nose yeah. on her. Da, 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 da. She's Pagliacci. Yeah. <laughs> you are after reading this, apparently. Man, I didn't have a... You guys keep telling me that Al Ewing is doing a good job with these books with Janet Van Dyne and Hank Pym, and I just do not care about them. The Janet book was good. The, Don't the... tell me. <laughs> The writing, I think, is is done well. I don't know that, to, to Tyler's point, I don't know that the way the narrative unfolded attracted me to it. I was much more on board when I thought that they all got murdered at the same time, and it was a mystery. I'm like, cool, now we're going to solve it. This is going to become kind yeah. of like a, a buddy cop story. 
And then it all twisted and pivoted. I was like, whoa, wait, a lot's going on right now. I don't, I'm not following. Why is this happening? Who is this Vic Shade guy? Now I don't care. You had me and then you let me go. I was actually kind of mad at at, at one point because I was like, oh no, did they kill off some of my actual favorite B-list or D-list Marvel villains? Like, I like Griffin Griffin? and I like Piledriver. Um, Okay, Tyler. I do. I, I, I like these weirdos. I know. I can't help it. (laughs) It just like uh, Janet. I don't care about Janet. I just don't. Stop trying to make the wasp happen. <laughs> it's been now, sixty years and it still hasn't worked. <laughs> seriously, and you know, I like, I do like Hank to a certain degree, but I just like they keep circling each other and just whatever it is that Al has been cooking, just man. In this little pocket that he's got, it's just I do not like it. I mean, it is a little pocket. It's it's an Ant-Man pocket. The same joke. Damn it. Okay, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, and like the whole the whole stinger at the end. uh, Another pun um, (laughs) is that you know Hank is the antagonist of this book. Um, with O'Grady, with oh, with Eric O'Grady as well, which, like, I can't help it. I like the Ant family. Maybe I'm maybe I'm one of few. Maybe it's like me, Al, and a couple of people who like maybe go to be like Big Apple Comic Con, not even New York Comic Con, because there's too many people there for those people to actually get out of their house. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, and I like a mystery book. Like, I feel like there's actual mystery in this, whereas I didn't really feel like there's mystery in Green Lantern. Like, this is set up like a mystery. Um, yeah, I think there was enough here to at least get me interested in the second one. It's set up like a mystery. I don't feel like it pulls it off. Yeah, pulls the rug from you. I think the issue is that Janet is not a detective. I didn't mind that at first. Same. I had yeah. this, I had the same thought of just like, oh, but that's not historically, I guess, some of her character. Why Why is this making, like, like make this make sense? But as it unfolded, I'm like, no, but she's uh, perceptive. She's a smart individual. I think the character, the, the character itself is strong. And so whether or not she gets placed into that situation, she will excel and, and shine. And I thought that was functional. But man, they, they, they switched it up on me. I was in. And hook, line, and sinker. He said, nah, this one's a little too small. I heard that a lot this weekend. I also think that, boy, yeah, Gordon makes a great point. Why wouldn't Mayor Luke Cage have gone to his detective wife? (laughs) Yo, they're doing Jessica Jones dirty with her non-existence in comics right now. It's mind-boggling to me. Well, and the explanation for... Janet being involved in this and even Janet's uh even in in the Wasp miniseries Whirlpool being obsessed with Janet is just like well why would she want anything to do with him like if he dies in jail why should she care I mean she has had a history of caring about problematic men, so <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, maybe that's in but, character with her. 
she didn't marry this one. Right? Well, until the will they won't they with her and this new Vic Vic's, you know. But then he's someone different. Yeah. You know, then he's Vic Shade or whatever. It just I just I uh, this this is not for me. And the art yeah didn't do it any favors. Yeah. Uh I think I, I think I agreed with your earlier takeaway Tyler that this is it's a bit lacking like it's it's not it's not 100% there it's it's serviceable but none of it I didn't get my socks knocked off yeah and, and the coloring wasn't really there for me the Alex and Claire coloring the it, like I, I brought up two pages here that it's it's either warm lighting or fluorescent lighting and then everything is is all the colors are dictated by that yeah yeah um, yeah everything felt yellow it, it felt like an office room you know or, or like a ring light that you're trying to change the settings on yeah don't call me out like that. Yeah, I know. I was, I was doing it right before the show, so. <laughs> yeah, it's... The, the Sinclair color is just... It feels like, all right, this feels like Ultimate... Or, or well, yeah. It feels like, a, like the early Ultimates, which feels dated. And honestly, Leonard Kirk also kind of feels a little dated in his, in his art. That's not to say it doesn't work. Like, it, it's worked recently with, like, Fantastic Four and stuff like that. Um, but here, it's just... They're trying to make... Janet Van Dyne kind of a, a modern take on the character and place her as as being of this time. But then they put art on this that is so not of this time, you know? Like, yeah, like her outfits and stuff were so out of place that I was wondering if that was supposed to be an Avengers from uh, like the TV show. Like the spy TV show from the UK. Oh, that's so funny. I was wondering if it was supposed to be oh, that some kind of <laughs> 70s The Avengers yeah. reference. Like, Yeah, I, I'm going to give it issue two because I think Al Ewing has gotten a lot of I, I've, I enjoy Ewing. So it's enough to give me at least an issue two. And I think most of the time I like to give an issue two. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, it's. So it's a lukewarm pull for me. I'm going to pass. Hard pass. Well, let's finish up with one of our, well, I guess we talked about her last week. Let's talk about more about Kelly Thompson uh, with The Cull, number two. Uh, this is by Kelly Thompson with art by Mattia Diulis and letters by Hassan Otsmani Elhau. Man, I can never do that one. How do you do that, Marco? How do you say that? Elhau. Elhau. Yeah, you had it. Okay. Elhau. Yeah, you had it. It feels like I'm not saying it right. Whatever. I, um, I think it's... Mm, mm, uh, the whitest guy here is going to be like, I think it's... <laughs> well, I don't think it's Otsmani. So. It's Otsman? I don't know. Uh, Hassan. Hassan. One of my favorite letters in comics right now. Hass. Um, I... Before I talk about the call, I want to hear what you guys talk, think about this. So I remember being excited about this book. Yeah. I remember liking it i remember the some of like the, the theory that i had it that towards the end that got me excited because it got me thinking and then they explain a lot of that and i'm like okay book's a little talky and then they go from the cave cross a, a pond to a forest that's all that happens in the book like they, they it, this book this book takes place at a hundred yards it, it, I swear to you, it did. Yeah. And yeah. 
uh, and not only that, but like they're in this fantastical world and I'm only getting like small glimpses of it in a very narrow view in a very narrow time frame. Uh, and this is a, the second issue. So I was a bit disappointed by just how much we didn't get in the second issue the, of how much more there still is might be exciting, but the fact that it's not being presented to us, all we get is this little like squiggly thing and you know, the water and the colors, but it's very just like, this is how this world works. And it feels like I'm getting spoken at. I don't even feel like we got a glimpse of how this world works. I still feel like, yeah, I don't, it's, I still think it's up in the air. Yeah. I still feel like we just got, I don't know. We can walk in the water. What's that mean? Like they, they just broke out the logic of what everything is to make it make no, sense. I, but I don't even, uh, that's what I'm saying. I don't even think it's that. Like we don't know what the water is. All we know is we can walk in it and it doesn't hurt. Sure. Well, no, but then they explain it. It's it's the different. It's like that's the reason why our ocean is blue, right? Just difference in. Well, the he he tried applying Earth logic to it. Yeah, you know, I think the whole idea is that like they don't know, and they're in over their heads. Yeah. Um, and I think I think it it, it almost over it over explains or yeah. overdrives that home that like these are fucking kids who don't know what they're getting into, and here's all the the exclamations they can try and think up of. That maybe knowledge of sci-fi movies would let them think of, uh, and that's but they don't know fine. Yeah, except a <laughs> hundred yards later, <laughs> the characters all sort of backtrack and argue with each other and go back and forth on, uh, boy, this is a really bad idea. Ah, man, I found that annoying. Well, and then they just like touch trees and fuck. Ah, man. The fuck forest was interesting. Like, that was at least a good cliffhanger. I don't, I didn't know what, <laughs> what to do with that because it was just like, okay. So, Why? so, so for me, I'm, I'm of two minds about this. Uh, I agree with you guys. I think that is, this is way too decompressed. Um, yeah. you know, uh, with like uh, the call number one, and I think you know Kelly Thompson's black cloak. I think they were both the first issues were both oversized. Um, yes, to the black point where no, uh, 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 no, call number one was not oversized. It was normal size. No, okay, okay. Um, black cloak definitely was. Um, yeah, where half this book is more than half is literally just a discussion, and at one hand. I want the plot to just go forward. I, I, part of me was just like, no, just just freaking go. You're in the water. Just keep keep moving. I want to see what's on here because I'm invested enough in the characters and the setting and what's going on that I want to see that story going forward. So I was a little frustrating that they're just talking the entire time about it. But I also liked how the talking actually helped me figure out who these people are and where their dynamics lie and all that. Um, so there was reasoning for it. But it was frustrating at the same time hmm. because especially with with Deulis's art, like I'd love his his facial work. These people look oh, realistic, like, but cartoony at the same time. It's weird. It's probably the eyes. It's like it's like the face is realistic, but the eyes are a little cartoony. There's some f uncanny valley here that uh, it's, the it's the gums. It's the gums. Yeah, it's the gums. 
anytime uh, I see uh, detailed gums on a on a character, I, I it's it's it, it takes me out. I think it's some of the shine of the colors. Like there's a lot yeah. of just reflection in their like even on the faces that all rendered accidentally, and I think that's what uh, adds to that uncanny valley feeling. I, I I'm I was able to get past it, but that was a similar thought yeah, I had. For sure. just like of like, hold on a sec. Okay, we're jumping back in. It's it's very photo ref, you know, uh, realistic, not referencing, uh, very photo realistic. But mm. it it yeah, it's also not quite right. C.W. Gordon yeah, I mean, says, I, f- "I feel feel this would really have helped being packaged together with number one, or at least once they get to the island. That's 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 issue that's one. That's what they cut you know? right. Even yeah. number three, like, well, I still have two decompressed." Um, oh, oh, you're saying if it would have gone to the the package, next. yeah, sure, sure, whatever. Next, okay. Um, I'm liking it though. I think I think visually it's wild. Um, we 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 get our first glimpse of some of the creatures on this liminal space that they're in, and one of them is an alien red panda, which like hell yeah. If uh, there's anything about this this furry? episode, guys, if there's anything about this episode, you should you should know is I love a good critter. The furry fan. I'm yeah, not a furry fan. I made a couple of decisions in life <laughs> that prevented me from becoming a furry. It's like when I stopped doing Sonic OC fan art. Once that stopped, I avoided that. There is an alternate reality in one of these rocks where Tyler is probably a furry, um, but that's not the one we're currently in. Am I revealing too much about myself? Sure. Kale, talk about this comic some more. Uh, <laughs> boy. I... um. I man, I don't know what else to say. I like again with the first. Uh, I, I said this about the first issue. I felt like the. It, it's a very. It was a very standard image first issue. Here's a bunch of setup, and one cool thing happens, but it's not even that cool. So now we're in the cool thing. But even still, it's a lot of talking and a lot of setup. And frankly, you know, it's been what a month since the call, the call number one. I, you know, I remember these faces, and I sort of remember the vague, their vague business, but their constant chatter doesn't really do anything to move me forward with what we're doing. Yeah. And the lack of physical distance also really pulls me out. And now all of a sudden they're having sex. Yeah. It, it's still not tracking story, like narratively. I, I remember they're, they're on, on the look for somebody and yeah. it was about making a movie. And, you know, those are the big things that stuck out and, follow through at least into this issue but then we just get lost in the conversation and that's the part where the book just comes to a grinding halt for me and now all of a sudden they're having sex yo i think it's because the, the forest is giving them some kind of pheromones for sure it's gotta be yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah there's that one the one sexless character is you know she sees the leaf and it's like oh there's some it's like it's like poison ivy for eating ass <laughs> but then you know it did like 
I don't know. It's just like, why does it have to be the fuck for us? Like, it could have been anything. Oh, it should always be a fuck for us. What, are we going to have a Logan Paul suicide for us here? No. Rather, yeah, rather yeah. the fuck for us. It could have just fallen asleep. Sleep Force is such a, a trope, though, I feel. It's it's Wizard of Oz. It's the poppies, you know? And so this is kind of a, I guess, a play on that. I mean, they're still sleeping. It's just so sudden, and it felt like it came out of nowhere. Right. And, like, I don't, I don't think that these two characters have interacted, at least on the page, uh, you know, together yeah. which ones there's two people that hook up the the, uh, the guy and girl lo- the the fuck pair sure <laughs> oh the ones that, okay not not the cry out ma- crying making out one the actual oh. fuck pair um yeah there's um, i think there's allusions to there's hints of it in the first issue okay yeah um but i just uh it's just it's so it's so out of nowhere you know, I think it feels more out of nowhere than it should too. But because of the pacing of the whole issue, um, yeah, it's it's had this come in halfway the halfway in the book, then maybe it wouldn't feel so out of, out of place. But because the whole beginning of the or two thirds of the book was so slow and like just trotting its way to the plot, that once this happens, it's like whoa, hey. And it's also three pages. Oh, oh, like it wraps up in three pages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it shows that weird alien person. Is she going to fuck the alien? No. The, I this, got worried about that. This scene is three pages. Yeah. That's so many pages for, for that. Oh, just for that, not that for not the sequence, that one, those two. Yeah. I don't know. I'm 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 still curious enough about this book to be invested in it. And like I'm I'm still reading it. I'm I'm liking it. I'm enjoying it mm-hmm. so far. And I think the colors and the Euless art um are an attraction enough and I also just trust Kelly Thompson almost implicitly. Yeah, I agree. Uh I'm 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 gonna stick around for the next issue. Um while this one was definitely a low and you know, the only two issues in, so it, it started off pretty strong. This one came down a bit, but I, I want to see what happens at the very least. Cause I, I am curious. So this is just a, a pull for me and I'll stick around for the next issue. I like Kelly Thompson. I like the art, um, from this person whose name I am going to use. Um, as soon as I remember it, Mattia Deulis. I like Deulis's, art i just i'm at a place where everything is so slow and it's not moving i think i would rather just wait out the trade that's fair which which i think is an issue with image image comics right now month to month for their series a lot of them just read better and trade and it's cheaper um, yeah. Those are comics. Those are the comics we're talking about. Um, the poll for the listener pick will be out on YouTube tomorrow. Um, expect that at probably around noonish to be on there, so you can vote for next next week's book. Um, but we're not done yet with the show because Marco, you had a. You're, it's not what you're reading; it's what you're doing. 
How was your How was your weekend at the uh, Small Penis Expo? Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it! <laughs> there it is. Uh, Small press. It was, all, it, was all, uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I won the prize. You know, they they crowned me king. Um, uh, they crowned you Prince Albert of the. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. They, but it, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I, th- this is a convention that I go to, or I try to go to every year. It's a cross section of the shit that I like about indie comics and experimental comics. You know, a lot of these things are a lot of what gets presented you know, by the, by the individual vendors, or it feels much more like people selling their wares as opposed to if you go to New York Comic Con. You know, it, it, it's very efficient. You don't get to really learn about the individuals unless you start to like ask questions. But usually they get busy because you know there's just so much volume there. So this is a lot more slowed down, and uh, the variety of what are like comics is expanded. And, you know, I got, and if for anybody who is on the Patreon, I put out a whole hour and a half video going through the entirety of the hall that I'll be posting a picture of. And it's, uh, there's just so much. I think I, I think I spent like 400 bucks or something like I, I and I, I'll allocate this stuff cause I know that I'm going to be spending money this weekend and then coming Comic-Con. So yeah, comics, poetry, prose. Uh, there's there's this one dude that he's there every year. He makes comics foldable, then cuts them up and then like pops them out so they're 3D and you can kind of follow in a different like axis. So you're not just going up and down on a page and left to right on a page, but you're going out towards you in. Uh, it's fascinating shit. Hell yeah. Um, and yeah, man, it's I just used, it's wacky. That to do my uh master's thesis there you go it always it always looked like spx always looked like to me it's people who go to new york comic-con for artists alley yes Uh, Yes. minus like the speculators and like the collectors and stuff like people who actually want to do look at the art and you know commission stuff and get you know work done and you know uh discover new things 100 Um, and and one of the things that i spoke to warren bernard who he's the executive director. So he's the one that facilitates the entirety of it. And one of the things that they do is they don't include retailers on purpose because they want to, con- they want to leave that space for more creators, um, more artists, more writers to be able to sell their books. Um, but yeah, you don't get the, those people that are in for like the, the money or to wait out an individual comic. How big is the space? Is it, is it similar like flame flame con? Yeah, I would say very okay. similar to FlameCon. So it's a it's at the it's at a Marriott. They rent out the event space for it. They have a number of halls for the different panels and whatnot. Um, so that's you know it, it's very much more comics focused, and that's what I like about it. It, it inspires a lot, I think. Did you pick up Caroline Cash's pee pee poo poo? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. Very excited. We got a chance to talk to them and uh, brought up Mark, chatted cool. through the the new cool. book that they're going to be releasing and stuff. So that that was cool. I got. A, uh, I got an unreleased issue or collection of trade from a, a creator I like. Got, um, what else? What else? Man, I just got to meet people. There are moments where uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be walking down the aisle and going, "Oh, hey, I have this book," and a person's just like, oh, "I wrote it," and I'm just like, "Oh yeah. shit!" And then just you know have a conversation about it. Um, Sacred Heart was one that uh i i i'm like oh this is a great book and i just i'm passing the table 
and she just goes uh well thank you so much you know and like and we just started talking about whatever it was and uh yeah it's all it's a lot of fun and i feel like i don't get that at other conventions it's a little more hustle and bustle at like a new york comic-con and stuff it's too busy you would love thought bubble i want Uh, to dude i want to do thought bubble so bad too yeah Yeah. thought bubble rules have you ever gone to uh what's the french one kel and and, in angolem okay that's how you pronounce it gotcha yeah um, I have been to that. Um, it's uh, very difficult for me to do anything there. Uh, I don't speak French. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, they shut down like an entire section of town. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's cool. And it's, there. Um, so much of the European market is uh, manga mm-hmm. that the retailer booths are basically manga booths at Angoulême. That's interesting. And then you'll have random buildings that are exhibition spaces, artist alley type buildings for um, your indie creators. Um, and that, and there, a lot of them are even more comics with an X, you know, comics underground stuff. Um, it's it, it, it's it's weird. It's weird, but it's cool. There's just like uh, the the considerations for what a comic is is so varied, and this is where you get to really like see that flourish. I actually I pulled aside some art I was going to show off real quick. Oh, yeah, great for the podcast. Guys, if you're listening to the podcast, check us on YouTube <laughs> uh, to see these. We'll, we'll describe it as much as we can. Uh, Marco is pulling out. Uh, what oh, is this? Oh, put it away. Oh, no. <laughs> He's Jeffrey Tubin. <laughs> this is my favorite piece. Oh, it's a, it's a rock. Just describe it. It's a yeah. watchtower. Uh, it was described to me as a watchtower. Okay. The, pers- the person who drew it was very influenced by, and when she said this, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. Um, oh. Is it Journey? No, I'm not familiar. Oh, okay. It's a video game. Um, but by Mike Bignola. And I can oh, see that in yep. I can see that in sort of like yeah. the, the composition. Um, I love the, the use of white for like some of the sunlight. It just looks really clean. How much art do you have, Marco? Oh, too much. In terms of like prints and commissions and uh, sketches I, and stuff. This, Do you have enough walls? Have, no. <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, I could probably put up everything onto like one entire wall of my living room. Sure. I like how you were the one that, you know, people would flame about for having boring backgrounds. Um, and instead you probably have the most art out of all of us. What is that? That like that. Who's that by? I just realized it has some nudity on it. <laughs> it's fine. It's just art. And you just <laughs> realized it? Yeah. <laughs> forgot about that um this was i believe drew mass and this is this was actually a um work done off of a erotica book Um, okay so marco's buying erotica conventions cool hey man you know sometimes you got to appreciate the the human form and in all of its aspects and i think it's like in the same vein as a kagan mccloyd or a milos monera you know yeah i was gonna say marco is the milo monera of of the comic spouse i'm a fan uh, that looks fun though. It's it's in DC, right? 
Yeah, it's Ooh, right outside nice. of DC. It's um, about like a half hour north in an area called close to Silver Spring. For anybody who's been. Interesting. Maybe one Good day. Stuff. Maybe one day. I have cons. Like Thought Bubble is one of the ones I really want to do. I really want to do Emerald City one day. Um, That's and, one I really like. And Heroes Con is one that I'd, I'd like to check out as well. Really? Like they, they've kind of fallen I, off a little bit. but Is TCAF still a thing? TCAF is still a thing. It just happened recently, yeah. Yeah. Toronto, like Comics, to Com- Toronto Comics Art Festival, right? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yep. yeah. I, I almost went last year. Uh, things happened. <laughs> yeah, I lived within driving distance to it. I met these two guys from Canada, Dave and David, who are the creators of The City. And uh, they're the ones, for anybody who's following the Instagram, that I, I posted a picture of. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, they were goofy, dude. I, I walked up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was funny because I walked up uh, to the booth just as I was passing by, and everybody towards the last day was doing like a, some variation of a fire sale. Yeah. So everybody had you know their little signs, fire sale, twenty percent off, twenty percent off for the next you know ten fifteen minutes, whatever. And um, as I was walking by, they were just drawing up the sign, and one guy, I think Dave, comes over to me. He's like, "You know what beats fire?" I'm like, uh, "Water." water. And he's like. We're gonna do an ice sale. I'm like, doesn't water melt? Uh, doesn't fire melt ice? He's like, but then it becomes water and beats it anyway. And they just had this energy about them. They're they're out there selling their shit. Uh, then the other guy is like, oh, I forgot to make content. Do you want to make some content with me? And I was like, whoa, bro, what's going? Like, what's going on? And he's Marco like, loves like, making content. That's for sure. I adore making content. And, <laughs> Uh, he just puts me into his Instagram video. We we do a whole series of these pictures. They just had such a they were having such a good time selling their book. Did uh, they know I, that they approached a guy who does YouTube uh, content? No, <laughs> by no means. And, and and afterwards, I'm like, yo, this is crazy. I do a, I do a podcast like so when we you know, we started sharing and following and all this stuff. But it, it just happened like at that exact moment. I happened to walk by. It looks the vibes look pretty good there. I will say. Yeah. A lot of fun, yeah. Really recommend for anybody who's who's interested in exploring more of what the medium has to offer, and uh, just in general, go to conventions, go support yeah. books, go go support comics. And then he went to uh, the Smithsonian, did you? The um, National Museum of uh, African American. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I forgot the the full name, um, but that was that was an experience. That was a whole day trip. So yeah. that one. I think I got, we got in at, I went because my, my cousin randomly um, came to visit um, as well. So on the Monday, since I was off, went to go to the museum. That was awesome. If you, I highly recommend, but that's like a five-hour fucking museum. Jeez. Looked Monday. like fun. Glad you had fun, though, Marco. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, but that's our show. Uh, Sean should be back for Palace Pulls next week. If you're missing out on Mr. Yeah. Bartley himself. It looks like he's gonna be be here for for Palace Bowls. Um, it looks like he needs it too. <laughs> um, yeah. So you'll you'll. It's just us three uh, this coming Saturday. Uh, but if you have questions for the show, let us know. Join our Discord for that. Uh, Discord link is in the YouTube description below. Uh, it's also on the whatever podcast you're listening to this at. Uh, join us. There's a whole questions channel. Throw your question in there. Um, we'll probably read it on Saturday uh, or. 20 people will respond to it in the Discord. So uh, you will get your question answered in some form of fashion. Um, but yeah, do that. Follow us everywhere on you know YouTube. Subscribe if you aren't subscribed. Um, follow us on X slash Twitter. Um, 
TikTok, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, whatever, whatever you use, we're we're on there. We're we out here, and uh, appreciate it. So until Saturday at ten fifteen a.m. Eastern time for the Comics Pals, this is Pals Pulse. See you next week. <laughs>